Hey guys, I realized something. I'm the only dude in this room who grew up with sisters. So I want to teach you today what that's all about. First of all, girls poop has a totally different stink than boys poop. I bet they didn't cover that in marriage class, which I assume you all had to take before you uh, purchased your wives from their respective families. Second of all, when you're in a bad mood, sometimes you just have to stomp upstairs, slam the door with a loud, satisfying bang, stew for a couple hours, and then come out when dinner's ready and everything's totally fine. Wait, what dudes are up in your sister's room for that satisfying bang? No, you you or your siblings do that. Oh, okay. Wait. The point the, is that you're the banging point is, your sister. No. The point is that you slam the door, and it's real satisfying. It makes a loud noise. Oh, I see. I, we didn't have sisters. I'm so confused. Yeah, so yeah I got to yeah. teach you all about this shit. Yeah. Third thing you need to know, the judging in both figure skating and gymnastics is so confusing and arbitrary that neither one should even be considered a sport. Although, each of those is still more of a sport than auto racing. Fourth thing you gotta know, if you tease somebody, or troll as the millennials like to say on the internet, it's just kind of sad and pathetic if they never have a comeback. So, growing up with sisters, is that what helped you develop your Bernie bro style of misogyny? What what is it that helped you see through obvious false narratives planted by political campaigns? You just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Is growing up with sisters what defined your impeccable sense of style? No, because I never asked their advice on anything, really. Yeah, I guess I knew Not that. Not in that area. I guess I knew the answer before I asked it. I think they went through my closet one time when I was like in my mid-twenties, like, Once. oh, you got to get rid of this. And they're yeah. like, oh! Yeah, then, that, was, that was pretty much their reaction. And then reaction. slammed the door and made stew. <laughs> and You're starting to get the hang of it a little bit. All right, so another thing that happens if you have sisters is... When you're becoming an adolescent and you start sleeping in on the weekends and during summer vacation, you get woken up almost every goddamn day by the cheap plastic Fisher Price record player in the next room playing the same goddamn song over and over and over and over again. Sometimes it's a good song like the one we're hearing right now. I still can't believe that Wake Me Up Before You Go Go is sturdy enough to stand up to the level of repetition. I've endured of that song over the last three decades. Because most other times, you never want to hear that song again for the rest of your life. You've just fucking heard it enough. Whoa, meow. Sounds like this song jitterbugged into your brain. Yeah, yeah. And then it went bang, bang, bang till my feet did the same. Uh, but the reason... The reason you hear those songs over and over again is my buddy, my sister, took dance classes, so she had to practice her routines for the big dance recital. My buddy, my other sister, also took dance classes, and she had to practice her routines for the big dance recital. Now, if you guys have never been to a dance recital, J.D., you've got a daughter, so this may end up happening to you. It will. It's uh, A dance recital is roughly four to five hours long. It involves at least 100 kids of varying ages from kindergarten to high school. It lets every assembled parent take multiple movies and photos of their kids on stage doing a routine, and it will single-handedly make up the five to ten most boring weekends of your son's childhood. I know people that show me these videos, Ugh. and they're just insufferable. <sighs> 
people and the videos. I, I believe you on both counts. Yeah. My, show me a photo. That's my, all I need. My son has a great video of a performance he was in. It's actually really fun. We'll show it to you sometime. Oh, no, I know that one where he has the mic and kind of does like a tight five. No, no, it's a different... Anyway, go ahead, Steve. We'll okay, so I also like your son. Yeah, yeah, he's got some talent. Uh, here's what we're going to get into today. There was a definite canon of songs that defined that whole scene back in my childhood. The same songs kept popping up over and over, whether we were living in Louisiana or Michigan. This, this, this stuff is the soundtrack to non-competitive female athletic activity in the 80s. These are the songs that dominated the dance recitals and cheerleading routines and jazzercise classes all across this great individualistic Reaganized country. Get out your leotards and leg warmers, guys, because today we're going to synthesize. What? Hey, this is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. We Woo. make up genres every week. We count on the top songs in that genre. My name is J.D. Riznar. I'm Hollywood Steve. I'm Captain this week, obviously, because I'm talking all the time. I'm Dave. Hey, Hunter. Hunter's on the phone. I want to look this guy up. Okay. I like this song. Good luck finding anything about him. Uh, because we invented the Yacht Rock genre, we like to throw a bone to Yacht Rock fans out there and feature a Yacht Rock song in each and every episode. This one is called Complicated Times by a guy named Frank Weber. And he's, oh. he's a German former cyclist. No, there's a lot of different Frank Webbers oh, out there really? that aren't this guy. I think I might. I think there might be a Frank Weber back in my family tree. There was definitely a Frontisek Weber from Bohemia that came over. And this, this oh, wait, I know this. That's why I know this. This. I was looking at this for Yacht York. You're oh, about to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, So this is a Frank Weber. It's W-E-B-R, so it could be Weber, but I'll just go with Weber. In the old country, it's Weber. Okay. I didn't think this would pass the mustard. That's why. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited to hear it. Well, I love this song. It gets me pumped. Like, imagine being on a yacht pulled out, pulling out into the open sea with seven women on your arm, and this jam just starts up. Ironically called Complicated Times, but it makes me feel so free and easy. Uh, Frank Weber, he's a one Yacht Wonder. This song is awesome, and it comes right in the middle of a super boring 1978 album called As Time Flies, which it does not do when you're listening to the album. <laughs> uh, this feels a lot like a Doobie song. I can't, it can't really be a What a Foobly's ripoff because they were kind of released at the exact same time, but this is bouncing in that Doobie style that had been going on for a couple years at this point. Um, it's, you know this part's true, right? Uh, oh, well, let's talk about that in just a second. Um, it's, uh, yeah, talk. I okay. didn't need to. It also that. has like really nice obtuse Steely Dan wannabe lyrics. They're not that obtuse. They're just overwritten. Like he's trying to show off how smartsy he is to all his New York friends. Uh, so Frank Weber, New York guy. Uh, this is Yacht York with some New York session guys: Steve Gadd, Mike Manieri, Richard T. Luther Vandross also has background vocals on this album a few years before he had his first solo release. It's not yacht related. It's just a fun fact. Um, Frank, we Frank Weber also has a great song uh, on his next album called Between New York and L.A. that I think is some pretty awesome Yacht York that we missed in the in the original episode. Um, but it's got the same vibe as like Peter Allen's By Coastal. Though if you lock me in a room that has a murder lock and I'm there with Peter Allen, Mark Weber, and a gun, I'm shooting Mark Weber every time. Who's Mark Weber? I don't know. <laughs> but he's shooting him. I shoot, yeah. I shoot the fuck out of him. <laughs> yeah. That's, why, Frank, is he, why is he in the room? It doesn't make sense. He's the first to go. Frank Weber, too. 
Um, so Frank Weber is also the name of Billy Joel's ex-brother-in-law who ripped up and ripped him off for millions. I'm not sure if this is the same guy. I'm pretty sure. I'm I like hundred percent. And you can hear it in this. This is this is the closest Billy Joel came to Yacht Rock is this sound right here. Well, I can't you hear it in this? But the, I mean, Frank Weber was his manager. Yeah, this, he was doing this. Frank Weber is like an accomplished piano jazz pop jazz man, like. He's just like Billy Joel is, but it's, I swear it's not the same guy. Really? It's a huge coincidence, yeah. Because this Frank released two albums just disappeared. I can't find anything on him. Uh, the best I've found is a comment from a blog reviewing Frank's second album. And here's the comment. Hey, Tom. Tom wrote the blog post. I played bass with Frank for a number of years and, and played on this album. You hit it right on the nose. The record company RCA didn't know how to, pro- how to promote Weber. He had that mellow jazz sound like Michael Frank's. But not enough for a large young audience. Where to put him on the rec- in the record bin was the question. He had very talented composer and pianist. Check out his first album. It was wonderful. However, this album had a had a hand-picked band of great musicians. Contact me if you'd like any more info. Harvey Auger. H A Base One at Comcast.net. Hey, bass so, one. You want to talk to a professional bass player? That's his email address. He wrote it in the internet. I assume I'm free to read it. Yeah, uh, he put it out there. So I look forward to boning that song between New York and LA from his second album and diving deeper into the mystery that is Frank Weber. We'll find out whether or not he really is the Billy Joel manager that sued him. Yeah, I'm glad to get this song in there. I've, I listened to this whole album. It's, it's, the album sucks. This song is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Not according to uh, uh, Harvey Auger. Handpicked band of great musicians, including me, Harvey Auger. Handpicked. <laughs> like a grape off of vine. I was going to say, like a delicious berry. <laughs> Steve, what What's the heck up? is this genre of synthesis? Well, synthesize is a synthesis of two words, exercise and synthesizer. Which is synthesized for size. That's correct. This tells us that a synthesized song must contain synths and that you have to be able to exercise to it. We're listening to Pat Benatar right now because when I was researching this genre, uh, I googled a bunch of like 80s workout playlists and every lady I found had this song on it. But this is a guitar, not a synth. It doesn't qualify. Now that's a pretty simple explanation, so of course I have to clarify a bunch of nuances to make it longer. One important element of a good synthesized song is the tempo. Those beats per minute should be hanging out right about the ideal heart rate for a light, and let me stress, light cardio workout. 120 to 140 is the sweet spot. Not too slow to let the energy flag, not so fast that an out-of-shape 42-year-old wuss can't keep up with it. These songs also fit into a genre I've been thinking about for years, which is basically 80s dance audition montage music. Yes. Which can be found by shouting, five, six, seven, eight. I want to see you move those bodies, people. This isn't your high school play. This is Broadway. You got to work it. If those words sound right during the song, it fits my genre. I'll demonstrate that a few times today. Excellent. It also fits a genre I've been thinking about. Songs from 80s movies where guys get hit in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this one's from the Las Vegas-based tennis movie, 1982's Spring Fever. <laughs> Does a guy get hit in the nuts? Oh, yeah. Classic. <laughs> Uh, there's also a pretty defined time period for prime synthesize. Starts around 1981 as disco morphs into new wave influence dance pop. Tails off after about 86, where fun pop gets taken over by teen idols and dance music starts to pick up 
bit more underground, club-driven influences like house music. This is a sweet spot of what I call blaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, a, it's that 80s wash. Yeah. Neon just, and, yeah, yeah, very slick production. Very, you know, very polished, very state-of-the-art. Uh, it's not necessary, but it does help a lot if you can reinterpret the chorus as encouragement to continue exercising to this song. A lot of these choruses, have, they got a little bit of fist-pumping action to them, too. Yeah, for anyone curious about Beyond Yacht Rock's methodology, it's nuance like this that helps us narrow down a broad genre into ten perfect songs. Yeah, you got to narrow it down to the only, the only the best in the top ten. One more hallmark, synthesize just flat out works better when it's sung by a woman. And the reason is, I don't want some fucking muscly meathead jock yelling at me to get in shape because I'm disgusting and weak and in fear. Who does this fucking asshole think he is? I don't even care if he's a nice person. Actually, I know plenty of dudes who are in great shape and also nice people. But fuck him. He's not going to tell me what to do. What are the women, women like to be positive and supportive and encouraging, at least face-to-face. And that's what you're going to need if you're in your 40s and you're still psychologically scarred from getting hit in the face with the ball all the time in gym class. And multiple doctors have now told you that walking to and from the bars you're drinking at is no longer adequate exercise. So... Having said that, thematically, synthesize also kinds of kind of functions as a sister genre to Hunter's heavy metal episode back in number 37. It's the 80s, it's Reagan, it's capitalism taking over, it's emphasizing a culture of individualism and lunatic optimism and personal achievement. So with the rising conservative tide hitting America like an uptight money-grubbing tsunami, this genre helps remind us of every woman's greatest possible individual achievement in that culture, losing weight. Of course, that is no longer the case. Right, this Women is a, can achieve great things these days. This is a completely different conservative tide hitting America. I don't know what the fuck it is. Uh, I also, oh, spoiler alert, I did the bumpers today myself, and I'm going to warn you now, I let some of them run a little long. No! I want, I want you all to really get the feel for how this sound and this cultural ideal were incorporated into blatant commercialism. I got a, I got a couple notes. Um, you got it? Okay, what's, what are your notes? Well, one note is that, uh, Steve, you know a lot of dudes who are in great shape and also nice people. You've been holding out on us? A few. <laughs> all right. Hmm. Well, uh, and all also... Right. I don't think wa- about it that much. Our wives are just placeholders, you know, because we I haven't been able like, to find guys like that. Oh, yeah. yeah I thought of like two or three. Like, oh, there, must yeah. be, there must be more. JD's oh. got his sports shorts on today because he's... Uh, according to you, it's plenty. I never um, got dressed today. Uh, That's fine. I mean, I love it. Close How enough. do those keep getting higher and higher up? They're very, they're very slick. You want to try them on? I do. It's the music. Also, another note I'd like to make. Uh-huh. I assume that... So growing up with a bunch of sisters, you didn't get a lot of time to speak your mind. So oh no, I was the firstborn. Uh, well, I was in charge. Did you? So you never found yourself writing lots of long paragraphs and oh yeah, no wrote, one to show them to. Or I wrote a lot. To? No, yeah, I wrote a lot. I wrote a lot of paragraphs right. back in the day. I wrote more than I do now. So this so, because because I didn't really have that many friends, so I had to write more. Ah. Uh, so um, it's not it has nothing to do with sisters. Okay, I no. thought it, I thought it was. Did you always t- already talk? You already talked about the bumpers. Okay, let's do yeah. it. Yeah, they're yeah. gonna be long. This is a pretty good song. Is this your number ten? 
Wait, because you can hear a little Yacht Rock chord change coming up here. See right there? You got to get up and boogie with this, honey. Yeah. You got to find that boogie body. Number 10. Oh. Wait, Five, which? six, seven, eight. Let's move it, people. This isn't some rehearsal hall in your goddamn hick town. This is Broadway. Ow, my nuts. <laughs> They're fit. Uh, these are great bits. Which it, one was the bumper? Was it two songs? All of Steve's bumpers are thirty-size. All of Steve's bumpers are thirty seconds long or more. <laughs> do the, the ten bumpers. Do the math. Five minutes of tonight's show is going to be bumpers. It's going to be edifying, but though. Then, but then there's That's a bumper tack only... on the other part of the bumper. <laughs> It all came from the same YouTube video, so it counts as one. But, but I heard Tony. Yes, yeah, right? and then at the that end I say Steve. the numbers kind of like Tony Zarrett doing his best. Tony. Oh, ah, okay. Sorry, because Tony used to. Because Tony Zarrett says the numbers cool, so I wanted to sound a little oh, like Tony Zarrett. I, I thought. Cause, okay. I, sorry. We, sorry. We sorry. stretched out the bumpers. <laughs> sorry. We're going to talk a lot, a lot about these bumpers tonight, I think. So, if there's one thing that Madonna and Karl Marx agree on, it's that we are living in a material world. Symbolic gestures are all well and good, but they often mean precious little in the end unless they're accompanied by real, tangible, material improvements in people's lives. That's why Madonna wants money. Sure, she'd end up getting it herself instead of by marrying some horrible 80s yuppie, but this material girl would have become her nickname either way. Now, if you think about the, uh, the uses in the, that I outlined up top, there's no really good reason for having young girls dance on stage to a song about old-fashioned gold-digging reimagined for a new capitalist era. It's basically just that Madonna was an emerging superstar. This was one of her few big hits from that early period that wasn't too overtly sexual to put in an all-ages dance recital with a bunch of eight-year-olds running around. Also, the video looked like an old-school movie musical number, which set the hearts of dance teachers all across America to fluttering. Like, oh, I gotta work this in somehow. I gotta say, my wife, she was in a lot of uh, dancing pageants as a little girl, and she thinks back often to the many, many inappropriate songs little girls had to dance to back then, and I'm sure it's still going on today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because the, the, the kids don't know what the lyrics actually mean if they're dirty. They just, they know the song, and they know they like like to dance to it. I was in Hong Kong a month ago, and my uh, wife uh -oh. and I stumbled upon a dance like recital where a bunch of little girls. I played the video for JD earlier, and it was like maybe preteen girls, and I don't know what the song was, but it was vile. Like, slap my pussy hard with your big black dick, hit my G spot <laughs> real nice, ow, ow, ooh. And then you just hear, so, you just like hear everybody song. in the audience do the Chinese version of, aww. And your wife's laughing. Yeah, oh, it, was, <laughs> it was vulgar. How'd you stumble upon this? That was a big thing going on on the, the south side of Hong Kong on the island. Big festival, there's a Ferris wheel. We were hiking down from the uh, Temple of 10,000 Buddhas. Blah, blah, blah. Synthesize. Yeah. Yes, man. I know. Let's talk about the synthesizer a little bit because that's the cornerstone of this genre. Now, the synthesizer usually functions as a sonic metaphor for one of two things. Outer space, like right here, or machines and technology. 
And it kind of makes sense that the synth would take over women's exercise spaces during the Reagan era. Because if you think about it, everything was being reduced to a commodity, including all sorts of human lives. And women were especially commodified by the cultural forces that wanted to return to traditional gender roles. If you can control women, you control the supply of sex, which we hear as a commodity on this song, and you'd also restore women to their historical place as subhuman baby-making machines. Machines! Guys, the sound of the synth. What better way to enforce gender convention than by making women exercise to literal machine music so they can look hot enough for us to put babies into their tummy factories? It's all converging. By the way, we're outsourcing all the factory jobs to China, too. Because that's capitalism. Well, Steve, to be fair to the music industry, I think synths were just a cheap, easy way to make rich-sounding music so they could more easily churn out pop songs that subjugate women and teach young girls to be adherent to a lifestyle with which men can more easily control them. Holy shit, Steve, you're onto something. I know. <laughs> I'm pretty brilliant. Uh, this, this song is actually the least good exercise song here, because the chorus just reminds you that you'd need a bunch of money if you wanted to take exercise classes, and what a capitalist racket the whole fitness industry is in the first place. You guys, ready for anybody out of pee, because there's a bumper coming up here. Gym is my favorite class. I am so dumb, I wish all classes were gym. I sure look forward to gym. Number nine. Five, six, seven, eight. Kick those legs, ladies. This isn't your cousin Pantless Leroy's basement. This is Broadway. Uh, good old cousin Pantless Leroy. Uh, we talked about girls just want to have fun before. It was in one of Hunter's episodes, and I forget which one. Do you remember off the top of your head, Hunter? Which, what genre you put this in? What? Car test songs? Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, we talked about the uh, the Robert Hazard uh, original. Yeah. Uh, this this one, is an undercover. I had, to push, I had to put this one back in the top ten here. It was a dance recital perennial. Guaranteed mood lifter in every aerobics class that used it. Exercise is fun, guys. Five-hour dance recitals are fun, too. Luckily, your dad can probably take you home after your sister's big number. Now, unlike Material Girl... This song is all about women getting their own jobs and doing their own work, making their own independent livings, and being just as miserable under deregulated laissez-faire capitalism as men, which is why they are desperate to have a little fucking fun at the end of their shitty, awful working day. But the song is much less depressing than general societal reality, which makes sense if it's about having fun, which this is. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you want independence, girls? Because then make, it, it makes it harder for men to control you, so let's talk about how shitty it is, man. I gotta closely monitor what my daughter listens to and in music. Good luck with that. Uh, this song, this was a number two hit in 1984. It was frozen out of the top spot by Van Halen's Jump. Obviously, it's a song that made Cindy Lauper's career, and we've talked to before about how it was originally written and recorded by Robert Hazard, who is this new wave guitar pop guy from Philadelphia. And I listened to the original because I'd never actually listened to it before. And it sounds like real, you know, that typical kind of tense, nerdy, herky-jerky, early new wave stuff. And the lyrics are pretty clearly about how girls like to have sex with Robert Hazard. And his name does sound like a soap opera character, so you can see it a little bit. Uh, but Cindy Lauper's version, of course, is about how girls like to have spontaneous dance parties at all hours of the night. 
so it's much more appropriate for girls of all ages to perform at public events. I don't know what the sentence that I wrote is about, so I'm not going to read it. I don't even know what it's about. Dave, do you want to read the sentence I wrote? Maybe if I hear it, it'll make more sense. All right. <clears throat> so, it's more appropriate for girls of all ages to perform at public events. Though I wouldn't put it past 80s dance instructors to have girls dance to songs about the long, sensual fucking of a man. It's happened many, many times. Oh, that's a callback to the fact that little girls dance to sexy songs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very man. Now you remember it. Yeah. Good job, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I really captured your voice. Great shape Barbie. New great shape Barbie doll. Keep it going, Barbie. Ooh, that Barbie, background song is uh Love your leg warmers. Brown or is it the clothes you wear? Hey there, Georgie girl. That's a horrible song. It's gotta be a date. With number eight. <laughs> My sister's Five, six, seven, eight. Come on, ladies, shake those bosoms. This isn't your grandma's birthday. This is Broadway. And those men out there are horny. Horny for your bosoms. <laughs> my sister got a great shaped Barbie for Christmas one year, and my other sister practically murdered her to get her hands on it. Oh, my God, the temper tantrums. Anyway. What kind of Barbie? Great shaped Barbie. We just heard a commercial for it uh, in the bumper. If you were uh, awake, uh, paying attention, engaged. So, it's important to remember that in the Queen's English, the word banana is pronounced with the same vowel sound throughout. So we should pronounce Bananarama that way too, or we'll turn their little joke into a nasal Midwestern horror. Bananarama. Bananarama. Banana... Bananarama. So, Bananarama... Bananarama. You got okay. it. You got it. You nailed it. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah, baby. You've got it. Their uh, Banana Rama was a vocal trio from England. It had a few synth pop hits over the 80s, usually co wrote their own material. And for several years, they'd had as part of their repertoire the song Venus, which was then known as an international number one hit from 1970 for a lightly psychedelic Dutch rock band called The Shocking Blue. Uh, Banana Rama was almost done recording their third album. They said to the usual producers, hey, we want to do Venus. And their producers were like, we're not sure this will make a good dance song. So Banana Rama went to the newly emerging production team of Stock, Aitken, and Waterman, who just had their first big hit with Dead or Alive, You Spin Me Round Like a Record. And they said, hey, we want to do Venus. This sounds exactly like You Spin Me Right Round. I never put that together. Thank you, Steve. I yeah. learned a lot from the podcast. Boom. I like. That's why I like to do it. Yeah. And so Banana Rama was like, hey, we want to do Venus. And Stock, Aitken, and Waterman was like, eh, we're not sure this will make a good dance song. So I assume at that point, Banana Rama was like, Look, we're going to pay you money to do that, and you're going to fucking do it. And of course, it turned out that Venus did, in fact, make a good dance song. Uh, and the first... Okay, so the video for this song uh, was the first time that Bananarama sexed up their image and wore tight clothes and glammed up their hair and makeup and stuff. So naturally, this was their only number one hit in the U.S. Uh, oddly, it did not hit number one in their native England, nor did any of their other singles, even though they had ten top tens there. Uh, also, this is from 1986, and this is the latest song on the countdown. Uh, that's weird to me that a band of women called Banana Rama didn't have a sexy image from the get-go. Uh, what was their original name? Was it a Potato Rama or something? Oh, 
There's Potatorama. Potatorama. Uh. Now, see, so if I were a woman, see, this chorus would encourage me to keep exercising because, hey, I've got it. Got what? This exercise. You know, I've got it. Or it, you know, that thing, that certain je ne sais quoi that made Clara Bow the it girl or that made Pennywise the clown it. But then I might start thinking about the exact nature of the itness and realize that my body is viewed as an it, not a who. That capitalist assholes value as a thing that gives them stuff. And then I'd have to go back and listen to the first verse about being a goddess on a mountaintop again, or else fall into despair about my own commodification, and then just drink four beers with my fettuccine Alfredo. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I didn't eat dinner. This is carbonara, maybe? I had a sandwich from uh, Santoros. I run five miles every morning. I do a hundred push-ups every day. I pedal every night, take a swim, take a hike. I'm in shape, I'm in shape, I'm in shape. She's practicing rubber and Seven. Five, six, seven, eight. Let me see those jazz hands, people. This isn't uncheesy, totally cool Broadway of today. This is fucking 80s Broadway, and it's lame, and you're gonna dance good for it. By the way, some of these bummers are from a peanut special from 1983. That was Peppermint Patty singing there. You really have a gift for uh, mimicry. That sounded a lot like Tony Zaret on there. You're good at accents, too. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you know, I, uh... That I wasn't li- Tony? I listened to Tony often, and I was like, oh, man, everything Tony says sounds really cool. I get it, I get it. Well, <laughs> well, most of what Tony... <laughs> even, when, even when the content is not cool, he can sometimes carry it over. So, sometimes, your dance class or your cheerleading squad or your aerobics class contains a token boy or two, even though it's girl stuff for girls. And this is the song that throws a favorable spotlight on your token as a way to make up for all the shit that he was most certainly taking from all the other boys for hanging out with chicks all the time and doing stuff that's girl stuff for girls. So at this point, they're excited. They play this song, and the token boys will come out and do some sassy moves, <laughs> then move back to the back of the stage where they can quietly control all the girls in front of them. Exactly. You're, you, you, you've got those dad instincts going already. Yeah. You, you, you know exactly what the future holds did, in store uh, for you. I did play this song at a uh, marimba recital uh, when I was in sixth grade. We had to go, or no, I was in seventh grade, and we had to go back to the elementary school to show the sixth graders how cool band was, and they told me to play this song, and I was like, I don't want to play it. So I was the token boy getting out there and shaking it for the girls. Doing some sassy moves? Yeah. Sassy? Yeah, I was shaking like Peter Allen while I played the marimba. It was great. So I was, I was personally, I was never involved in like the extracurricular activities that all the girls did, but I did hang out with chicks a lot in elementary school. My best friend in kindergarten was this chick named Mandy, who I barely remember at all, except that she was my best friend for a year apparently, and then she switched classes or something and I never saw her again. I do remember one day my mom asking me something about like playing with boys, and I told her, I hate playing with boys, all boys want to do is play stupid trucks. I also usually played with girls at recess until one day in third grade the teachers decided to segregate the playground by gender because the boys wouldn't stop chasing the girls or some bullshit. So after that, I used to just spend all of recess waiting by the fence with this other dude who also didn't like to run around in the mud playing kickball or football or whatever the fuck. And then we'd race each other back to the classroom when the bell rang. And he'd always win because I'm not athletic, but it at least got me to run at one point during recess. 
Prior to puberty, really, if it wasn't for Star Wars or Atari, I would never have found a reason to make friends with boys at all. So, gentlemen, consider yourselves privileged. And that's when Denise Williams decided to record music. Now you know the rest of the story. This song, this song is really inspiring because... And not just for exercising, it's just inspiring in general because it's about this seemingly boring dude who's super quiet, doesn't know how to dress, doesn't have much money, and can't sing. So, you know, I kind of identify with him. He seems like a pretty good quality dude, but she still loves him. Wait, you're not seemingly boring. <laughs> oh, sick burn, bro. But see, the joke's on you because this chick loves him and still wants to bang him because what he does, he does so well, it makes her want to yell, which I assume refers to eating pussy. So, guys out there, if you're anything like me, take this song as a Cliff Notes guide to dating strategy. And that's when Hollywood Steve decided to be straight. Because it's a decision. It's a decision we almost made. we got to make it, according to Mike Pence, who is still on the Mike Fence, if you ask me, as far as his sexuality goes. I mean, Karen, I, come on. I don't think he's closeted. I think he's just an asshole. So this song was on the Footloose soundtrack, hit number one in 1984. Denise Williams started her career as one of Stevie Wonder's backup singers, had almost a decade-long career as a charting R&B singer going before this song, which was easily her biggest crossover success. Dave, you think somebody got kicking the balls on Footloose? I do, but the more I think about this, I think I want it to be my next genre, so I'm going to keep quiet about it. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi, sis. Bye, sis. If your littlest angel feels left out of the aerobic fun, put back that smile with L.A. Gear Aerobic Fun Set. The fundos, the fun turned on to the dance, the tongs. We did some twirls, now we're jumping, girls. It's L.A. Gear, the fun is here. Number six. Five, six, seven, eight. Are right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you tired? Seven, eight. Are you here to dance or to take a farty shit all over the stage? This isn't your chemistry teacher's toilet, JD. This is a college dance audition. And if you don't take your dick out right now, you have no shot. Whoa. Oh, flashback. Oh. oh. Recovered memories. Yeah. God, I love this song. It's so great. This uh, was another one of my first favorites. Yeah. This, this obviously, this is Gloria by Laura Branigan. I think this has the most fist-pumpingest chorus in this countdown. It's great. I was originally going to put it higher, but I couldn't justify it. Like, you can sort of think of Laura Branigan wailing Gloria as encouragement, if you translate it in your head as the Latin word for glory. But the rest of the song is kind of just about dissing some chick Laura Branigan hates. So if I'd put this at, say, number one, which I kind of wanted to at first, because the pure sound of it is so inspiring, I would have had to justify that ultimately by claiming that for women, the most inspiring motivator of all is holding intense petty grudges against your rivals, and that would have undone all the good work we are doing here today. We are good people and better men. So, if Dave isn't going to read anything he's written here... <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought this would be a, I always thought this would be a great punk cover. I don't, I've never heard it as a punk cover, but this is, uh, this is all set for the one, two, three, four treatment. And then the five, six, seven, eight As JD. opposed to uh, JD's five, six, seven, eight. Uh, so, Gloria, the song has an interesting history. Uh, it was originally sung and co-written by an Italian singer named Umberto Tolzi. J.D., if you want to pronounce that better than me. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, it, was, it was in 1979. His lyrics mean something completely different. It's more about this idealized fantasy woman he dreams of at night and hopes to meet someday. Uh, I listened to it. It sounds basically the same, except the production's a little cheaper because it's European, and the singer is not nearly as ballsy as Laura Branigan. So, uh... That version was translated to English by British Invasion songwriter Jonathan King, who is best known for his hit Everyone's Gone to the Moon and for his subsequent career as a record producer who, caught, who got caught molesting teenage boys. Uh, he was also the director of my, French, my freshman college dance troupe. Oh, yeah, the five, six, seven, eight guy. Yeah, he told you to take your dick out? I, I don't know. Nice guy. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Go on and keep talking. I liked him. I saw, about, you think there's dance troops named the five, six, seven, eights? Oh, there have yeah. to be. Uh, anyway, the Jonathan King version is not the version Laura Brannigan covered. These lyrics were written by some guy named Trevor Veach because the doofy romantic angle just wasn't working for her, even after they changed the name in the title to Mario. So instead, they just made it about some chick they thought was living too fast. Like, Laura Brandy's like, this fucking guy's a pussy. Just, just write about this bitch I hate. Uh, I had heard a rumor this was about Gloria Vanderbilt, but real cursory Googling didn't turn it up. But I would like to hear this sung as a love song to the then main character in Donkey Kong, Mario. Hey, speaking of Mike Pence, Gloria <laughs> Vanderbilt's son is another silver-haired gay fox. Anderson Cooper. It's a fun fact. Anderson Cooper is a straight-up hunk. Mm-hmm. Pence looks like my great-uncle Paul in his casket at my first-ever funeral. Great-uncle Paul and Pence would have the same opinion of Anderson Cooper. Yeah, that he's it's cute. Terrific <laughs> anchor. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of uh, the Village People song, My Roommate, where he goes, yeah. I've got this new dance step, five, six, seven, eight, my roommate. Maybe there's a five, six, seven, eight genre. Man, I'm getting so many ideas. Uh, real, real brief on this the, the actual song. It's a number two pop hit, Laura's biggest hit from 1982. It sold a million copies, later featured on the Flashdance soundtrack. And there's a lot of yacht personnel in this album. You got Michael Boddicker, Steve Lukather, Michael Landau from Maxis, Bob Glob on bass, and Maxine Waters, not the Congresswoman, on backing vocals. And those, this that's the song for another couple seconds. Last couple seconds. There's like 30 seconds left. But did she it. die in a traffic accident? I feel like if she did, no, she Steve would have told us. Yeah, like, cancer. Uh, just, I mean, it's been a while now, but this I is, This genre isn't about the de- the decline and death of the body, though. This is about this is about energizing the one that you still have. Yeah, I was thinking of Falco and Lisa Left Eye Lopez. <laughs> Every other celebrity who died in a car crash. That's who you Another genre! Man, I'm up to three! Break away, break away. Songs from fifties soundtracks sounding in a track and here we go. Fifty songs from fifties soundtracks. We got America on the run. It's the shortest bumper of the night. Alright, this is a special one. <clears throat> this is Hunter. I'm here. Hey, what's up, buddy? Uh did you get my text? Yeah, I got him. 50 songs, 50 soundtracks. Dave's sending me dick pics. Dick Van Patten. <laughs> dick Clark. Dick yeah. Sergeant. Dick Sergeant. Fucker. Uh, so, listening to all these songs, I envisioned a lot of blaz and neon, which made me think of one song, this song, Neon Slime by Wingshauser from 1982's Vice Squad. 
Ooh, this is this angel. Yeah, Wings Hauser. That's, that's why I was saying Wings. Wings Hauser, in case you uh, don't know, is an actor who was in a lot of grindhouse and genre films. Also, Murder She Wrote. He's actually the. Was big he a murderer? You know. Was he, was he, he was in like he was in like six. Oh, okay. Murder She yeah. Wrote recurring. recurring character. Okay. Uh, no, 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 different villains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Back yeah. in the eighties, when they, they used when to they have would do that. Yeah. Like the same bad guy always showed up in the eighteen. Funny thing, I always thought his name was Winks. Oh, they're really? like half a blink. Yeah. Winks Hauser. Yeah. <laughs> Several half a blinks. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, he's the, actually a big bad in this film, uh, the vicious ramrod. <laughs> um, Wings Hauser, he's one of those magical actors. He's both very, very handsome and very, very ugly at the same time. Yeah, depending yeah. on the face yeah. he makes. Yeah, like Good John, work, Wings. Like John Lovitz. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this was in a movie about the Hollywood streets in the 80s, but unlike Pretty Woman, it presents it in a gritty, dangerous detail rather than a fairy tale. Uh, stuff that happens in this movie. Here's some stuff. MTV's Nina Blackwood gets beaten to death with a hanger. Sugar Pimp Fred Berry, a.k.a. Rerun, gets his balls cut hey, off. Hey, hey, And Season Hubley has to pretend marry a dead guy. It's great. Uh, but it's Wings as Ramrod that really steals the show. While watching this movie, I can't help but think that James Cameron got the idea for Terminator, a merciless killing machine undeterred in finding his female victim from this movie. That's Ramrod, except he's not a cyborg but a pimp. Uh, when you, I started reading about this, I thought you were talking about Carrie, the Carrie Fisher movie I always saw oh, in the yeah. video store as a kid, but that's Hollywood Vice Squad, Squad yeah. which I guess is fancier than this movie, or, or it could be like Beverly Hills Vice Squad. I'm going to guess it's not as gritty as this movie. Probably not, yeah. This movie, a lot of bad stuff happens. Ramrod's bad guy. Uh, anyways, looking into appar- uh, into Wings, apparently Wings released two albums. Not the band, but the Wings Hauser, the guy. Uh-huh. Uh, one in 1970 with the band uh, Visions of Sunshine as Gerald Hauser. And then one in 1975 with Your Love Keeps Me Off the Streets as Wings Living Right. You see, Gerald Hauser... <laughs> Does anybody want to spell Living Right? I would love to. Honey. Okay, Steve, spell it's- Living Right. Living, L-I-V-I-N, R-Y-T-E. Yeah, Wings one word. Living, living Right. You see, Gerald Hauser is ugly, and Wings Living Right is really handsome. Yeah. He is, definitely. He is both ugly and handsome. Uh, so, uh, you know, he made two albums, so you know, even though he's an actor, uh, music was his first love. We've talked about that. Uh, the only other name I can find attached to this song is Simon Stokes, who made a bunch of hippie music and even did a record with Timothy Leary. Uh, this song is obviously none of those things. It's not uh, It's not Gerald Hauser. It's not Wings Living Right. This is just 80s trash rock at its, at its best. Has anybody seen this movie? No, nope. but I really want to now. I it think, sounds good. I think I saw it back like... You know, Did I make you watch this movie? Maybe when we lived together. No, I didn't see it until until later. I I watched this. This was on like the Universal Network, and I I watched this movie, and I was like, "What? <laughs> this movie was great. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of pimps in this movie. Does it ever show up at the old uh, New Beverly? Probably has to. And I'll try to check it out when it comes in. Oh, hey. Wake I up! Let's get back into these bumpers from this peanut special. I had to turn that Wings Hauser track way up because it was the cool. This is Joey Scarberry singing right now, believe it or not. 
Is this from the aerobics championships? You guys ever watch that? It may as well be. We used to have competitive aerobics. Number five. All right, so this is Irene Cara with Flash Dance. What a feeling. This is one we really get into that heavy metal aesthetic of inspiring individuals to achieve individual achievements with inspirational lyrics. Uh, and those lyrics in this song were co-written by Irene Cara along with uh, some record producer named Keith Forzy. But the producer of this song, as well as the writer of the music, is J.D. Rizna, our favorite Giorgio oh, Moroder. I thought it was J.D. Rizna. And this won them all an Oscar for Best Song, plus a Grammy for Best Female Pop Vocal, and it was number one for six weeks. Giorgio Moroder, he blows gold into Kleenex. And Irene Cara, after losing all of her money, probably blows other things for money. Uh, her nose? Yes. <laughs> I screwed it up. I had a joke her, worked her out. Her nose at a, at a medical facility? So J- she, JD looked into my eyes and I got flustered and it just fell flat. Five, six, seven, eight. You gotta move, you gotta move those keisters, ladies. This isn't a turkey shoot. This is Broadway. A Broadway show called Turkey Shoot. It's gonna be a big hit and you'll be a part of it if you if you just audition better. You know, Turkey Shoot was actually That was a movie no, was it by the same guy that directed Stunt Rock. No, I was gonna say it was actually a generic version of Duck Hunt. Oh, the '80s video game. Yeah, they, yeah, they couldn't get the rights to the Nintendo game, so, so they, they, they really wanted to make it into a Broadway play. <laughs> it's just another turkey shoot. Sorry, it wasn't funny. Go. Uh, I wanted to get into these inspirational lyrics here because they're great. Uh, All alone, I have cried, silent tears, full of pride. It's an extra flavor in your tears. It's the taste of pride. Uh, the chorus is, "What a feeling." Beans believe in uh, because if you if you're able to be then you're able to believe I think is the logic of that also you get yelled at to take your passion and make it happen because those two words kind of rhyme but not really but anyway not only is this good for inspiring you to continue a program of mild and inadequate exercise it's also great at getting you through your shitty capitalist day job in order to do whatever it is you actually like to do with your time, like dance sexy at a bar for extra money, or do a podcast about the dying medium of popular music, or whatever. Uh, so Flashdance, the movie, was a cultural phenomenon back in 1983, mostly because it had a lot of sexy dancing. There was one scene where the sexy dancer dropped a bucket of water on herself and then kept dancing all sexy, and she eventually she becomes a regular dancer, and it's in Pittsburgh. And all the songs are shot like their music videos, which helped them get the soundtrack songs played on MTV, since they could just cut parts of the film together to make a video Steve, and then get free promotion. Steve, you could be the next Gene Shallot with movie recaps like that. Yeah. I mean, I summed it all up right there. It's Gene. No and, fuss, no muss. Yeah, just no nonsense. And Gene Shallot had a strong look. He did, he did. He, so does Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've seen a lot of people with your look these days, there's a lot of a lot of people are posting pictures of like Project One Runway contestants that look exactly like you. They're biting my style. Yeah. Uh, so Irene Cara, uh, she was a Broadway actress. Uh, she had two big hit singles. Uh, both of them were movie themes, Fame and this one. She's used to hearing five, six, seven, eight. Absolutely. Move, move harder. Whether she's at her job or in a movie about her job. 
Uh, Irene does not even appear in the video for this song, which is 100% scenes from Flashdance, uh, which kind of sucks if you're also an actress. Uh, Irene also never says the word Flashdance, which I think helps the enduring qualities of the song, much in the same way that forcing the phrase St. Elmo's Fire into John Parr's Man in Motion is the only blemish on that otherwise flawless creation. Whoa, hold on there, Steve-O. You you disagree? Yes, I disagree because St. Elmo's Fire is something other than a movie. You see, St. Elmo's Fire, also sometimes called St. Elmo's Light, is a weather phenomenon in which luminous plasma is created by a (laughs) coronal discharge from a sharper pointed object in a strong electric field in the atmosphere, such as you know, those generated by thunderstorms or created by a volcanic eruption. Now, this is very well written. It often appears before ships sailing in the ocean, and so it is considered as a good omen for sailors. In fact, St. Elmo's fire may in fact be the fire yacht rockers so desperately want to keep. That said, it makes absolutely no sense in the context of the John Parr song, other than to drop the title of the movie, so Steve, I'm sorry you're right. I'm, I'm glad you uh, keep coming around to my way of uh, thinking in this episode. Also, Dave, I'm sorry you're right. <clears throat> Turkey Shoot was a movie by Brian Tren- Trenchard Smith, yeah, the director of Stunt Rock. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I glossed over that, and uh, congratulations. Thank you. That is a great fact. Yeah, remember when we went and saw it, and that one nerd kept saying, um, in the movie Turkey Shoot, I don't did re- you blah, blah, blah? That's the only reason I know it, because I'm like, shut up, man. I want my Stunt Rock poster on. <laughs> I, right. forgot, I, forgot about, I forgot about that. I, I was there with you guys that yeah. night. What was the other show they showed with it? Do you guys remember? No, we left. <laughs> oh, it was another movie. No, You're thinking mind. of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters too. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. It's Joey Scarberry again. <laughs> He's good. He is. Five, six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. It worked. This is from It's Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown, by the way. It works better at the beginning of the song, but yeah. Well, I was just, it didn't have a beginning of the song. It right. could happen at any point. And it doesn't the have The beginning of the song was the last bumper. Flash Beagle? I can't stand it. Number four. All right, here comes Donna Summer. She's going to sing She Works Hard for the Money. It's another song about women. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's got a little bit of a kick air cops. Yeah, here Five, here six, seven, eight. Move it, late. Oh, shit. Is, Hold on. Wait. Is... Wait, I want to get this right because it's really cool. Wait, okay. Okay, hold on. This is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. Okay, this is really going to be cool. I I'm believe ready. it. All right, here we go. This is... Five, six, seven, eight. Move it, ladies. Get those toes tapping and those knees up against your titties when you dance with your knees high. Because this is a rehearsal for a real Broadway show. This isn't sitting around the dinner table listening to your dad complain about his job. Those days are done. You're never going to talk to your father again. You're a Broadway actress now if you can get past me. Yep, it works. I like the improvised ones. An improvised written. Listen, I, I strike gold every time. Yep. You're like Giorgio Moroder blowing his load into a Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> nose, blowing his nose. It's okay, blowing, blowing gold. gold. Kleenex is my preferred method, either. So this is another song about women being forced Some to go out... Some like a lady. <laughs> this is another song about women being forced to go out and get jobs in spite of the anti-feminist backlash during the uber-capitalist 80s. 
Uh, this song was supposedly inspired by a bathroom attendant at a fancy L.A. restaurant, although everyone seems to think it's about a prostitute because there's some line about needing to look pretty while she waits for her clientele. I think she just sang it. Uh, the video is for some reason not set in a bathroom or a whorehouse. Uh, it's instead about a single waitress with two shitty kids. Um, the bathroom attendant thing, I've never been in a ladies' room where a female attendant attends, but I will say men's room uh, attendants, like those attendants, they're always dressed to the nine and they're handsome as fuck. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, give me that paper towel, you're so handsome! And that's what I say in lieu of a tip. I was in a museum in France with my dad, and we were both standing at urinals next to each other, and a female attendant came up and started cleaning the urinal to my right, Mm -hmm. and then went over and cleaned the urinal to my dad's left, and my dad looked at me and he said, what do you think? And I said, nice dick. (laughs) You have a special relationship with your father. true story. I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> With your next paragraph that you've written. I had a fun fact. So go, just, fun just, fact. just say, uh, anyway, and then read your next paragraph. Fun fact. Moving on. <laughs> uh, this was the first music video that MTV put into heavy rotation by a black female artist. Another fun fact is that MTV started in 1981, and this song came out in 1983. So that took a while for MTV. So there's no Brenda Russell? Uh, nothing from her 81 album Love Life? MTV. You were missing out on a shining star. You would have had a million ratings. Shame on you, MTV. Was this when MTV was just like a local CB show and unlike in New York? Yeah, they love white people. Yeah. 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 So obviously this song works for your exercise routine. It's about working hard. It's very complimentary about it, like a you know, like a good country song about hard-working men working real hard. But it also reminds you that the reason you're working hard is money, because you and your labor are nothing but fungible commodities in the great uncaring economic engine of life. Uh, but there's lots of good yacht dudes on this album. This song was uh, a good transition. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this song was produced and co-written with uh, Donna by Michael O'Mardian who is also credited with piano, synthesizers, Simmons drum programming, and accordion, which I assume is on a different song on the album. Uh, there's also appearances nope, from one. Jay Graydon, Nathan East on bass, Lenny Castro, Michael Boddicker, Ray Parker Jr., and Jerry Hay, Chuck Finley, and that whole horn gang. Um, this doesn't sound like a Yacht Rock song, though. No, it doesn't. What the heck? These guys, they dropped the ball. 83, they were giving up. They were just doing things for paychecks. They had no more integrity. I'm just kidding because they did everything for paychecks, guys. They never had integrity. They were just session players. Versatile ones. Uh, this this felt like it was going to be probably the last big Donna Summer hit. She was the queen of disco, and that sounded kind of faded by the time this made number three in 1983. None of the follow-ups hit, but as it turned out, it was her next to last big hit, because she came back sort of randomly around 1989 with a stock Aitken Waterman production called This Time I Know It's For Real, which made the top ten, and that was her last big hit. And that was winter for Donna Summer. You should have written that line, Steve. You call yourself a writer? And that was the Donna Summer's Winter. Five, six, the winds seven, of winter. eight. Five, six, seven, eight. It's the winter. So 
So everybody go home. Everybody knows there's no Broadway at winter. This is a fake audition. Everybody go home. Broadway's closed. Go home. Look at you. Ready? Showing the world what you can do. Let's do it. Yeah, look what you can do. Get in shape, girl. You love the feeling. Get in shape, girl. It's all appealing. Get in shape, girl. is exercise gear for girls. There are five different sets, and each comes with its own exercise case. Get in shape, girl. From Hasbro, number three. And that's how uh, our culture gives eight-year-olds body image issues. Five, six, seven, eight. I want to see you move those bodies, ladies. This is an audition for Broadway. Okay, now stop. Stop dancing right now. I want you to all line up. Whoever wants me to give them a three-inch cut along their cheek, raise your hand. You're getting the part. <laughs> Anyone? Get out of here, y'all sucker dancing. All right. Broadway, Broadway directors are they're, they're difficult. Yeah, they're very power mad. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Patti LaBelle with New Attitude. It's another individual achievement anthem from another 80s movie soundtrack. This was uh, Patti's first solo crossover hit. Uh, this is obviously from Beverly Hills Cop, 1985. And this song feels so iconic for its era to me. It's weird to think that it didn't even hit the top ten. And in fact, it's the only song in this countdown to not chart in the top three. It was number one on the dance chart, though. And if there had been an aerobics chart, it definitely would have been number one there, too. I've been dancing to this song since 85 when I was seven years old, and I continue to dance to it today at age 40. Uh, it's the number two dance song in my heart, narrowly beating out All I Want for Christmas is You. Great dance song. Your last birthday was your 40th? Yeah. I thought you turned 39. Yeah, I did once. Oh. He turned 39 like Jack Benny did. Huh. Well, shit, I wish you a happy birthday, but your 40th, I would have, I don't know, taken you out for, you know, a tug or something. There's no fun in my life anymore, Dave. Oh, this, is, this is as fun as it gets. I would have brought you over some Hello Fresh. Those shorts don't... <laughs> <laughs> I got plenty of it. Uh, JD, those shorts don't say that there's no fun in your life. Oh, thank you very much. And they certainly don't say 40. Tell me about it. 40 acres. This is 40? Inches. I got a 40-inch dick. It makes things miserable for everybody. Oh, I got it. I got it. I was going with acres. I don't know what I was going for, but there it was. And my mule. 40 acres and a pull. Getting loopy. Woo! So, uh, this, this song... This song is great. It's real versatile. It can be the soundtrack to pretty much any inspiring self-improvement action you can take. Aerobics class, jazzercise class, Richard Simmons class, a makeover, a shopping spree, or any of the other possibilities that consumer capitalism offers you to reinvent your image. The only thing it doesn't really work for is a quiet Buddhist meditation retreat into the mountains, although you'll definitely get charged for that too. I will say, I bet if you if you listen to this song like a hundred times in a row, you could start to get into a trance for a minute. I'm going to take this song up to Buddhist uh, and I'm going to make those monks meditate to it. And they're going to really have an enlightenment, I think. Yeah, they're going to have a whole new attitude by the time this is done with them. 
And there, now the reason this makes uh, specifically such a good exercise song is that it convinces you that you're not just taking care of your body, you're also fixing your stupid brain at the same time. And once that happens, this will finally be the time that you really truly stick with your exercising and you don't let it slip after a few weeks because you got busy with other stuff and there's only so many hours in the day. And then you'll feel good and you'll look good and you'll finally attract that wealthy spouse who can provide for you in our crumbling late capitalist dystopia. And then all the sex you have can be procreative and within the bounds of holy wedlock, just like Mike Pence intended. Anyway, this... What, 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 can't these songs just be about having a nice time? There's... N it's, it's never... It's never that simple. Okay. But this song is terrific. I, I, I really do like this song. I mean, Patti LaBelle sells it really well, even though, like, you know, if you read it off the page, it's like a corporate motivational seminar. But Patti LaBelle is super cool, and she sings it real ballsy, and she wears a lot of crazy outfits in the video. She really sells the idea that this song is going to fix your life all by itself. Like, the power is within you. Yeah, Just see, like in a multi-level marketing scam. Yeah, that's what I want to hear about. That I'm getting empowered. It's just fun, and I'm getting empowered, and I'm getting scammed at the same time. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. If I told you once, I've told you a thousand times, I love you. Like number two. Five, six, seven, eight. Hey. Okay, we're a little sleepy now, ladies. I want you yeah, to lay down on the floor. This is a yacht rock groove. I want you to. We're in the yacht pocket. Okay, you're all. You all. You're all good. You all get the job. We're, I, I'm going to double my chorus budget. You guys all get it. See, mm -hmm. you heard it on that one because mm -hmm. you were expecting it to be faster. Yeah, and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. wouldn't yacht, fit, wouldn't it was fit, in the yacht pocket. Wouldn't fit my genre. So obviously physical was going to be on this list since the video pretty much defines the 80s workout aesthetic. The only reason I didn't put it in at number one is not enough synth. The song is mostly studio pros playing regular old instruments, mm -hmm. and yachtsman Michael Boddicker does chime in on the synth, but it's not really taking center stage in the arrangement. Uh, also, Steve Lukather plays the guitar solo here. Mm -hmm. uh, Lenny Castro and Victor Feldman are there on percussion. And as we discussed when this song was on a Yacht and Yacht episode, it was co-written by sometime yacht lyricist Steve Kipner, who also co-wrote Chicago's Hard Habit to Break, and later Christina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle. Steve Kipner is really good at writing songs that make me horny. What? This was Yacht and Yachted? Yeah. 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 I've been fighting for this for a while. And we put. I said, said this is a secret yacht rock song. And we nobody said it was yacht. And you guys said it was yacht. Uh -huh. You heard it on that when it started. He tried to do the five, six, seven, eights. Couldn't in, do it. In the context, and he heard it. In the context of all of these, uh, I've convinced dance pop someone. Songs, <laughs> it, well, listen. It sounds yacht rock in the context of these songs, but I bet if you put that in the context of yacht rock songs, it takes on a totally different secret, meaning. It's a secret yacht rock. It's song. just Steve Kipner making me Sorry, horny Steve. once again. Sorry. No, yeah, I, I think JD's uh, hit the nail on the head. No, he hasn't. No, yes, I agree. He heard it. No, I agree. I agree with JD. So the, the video is like 80s workout video. Olivia is some sort of hot fitness instructor. She's wearing a headband and a leotard and some socks that kind of almost look like leg warmers, but don't quite get there because, God forbid, your calves get cold while you exercise. Um, I looked at it. I guess they were supposed to prevent cramping or something. Anyway... 
Olivia starts out gawking at hot dudes in the gym, and she tries to help this group of clumsy fat dudes get fit, and they're just falling, all, falling down all over the place. It's, it's really comical. And then uh, she's in the shower, and the fat dudes all magically transform into hot bodybuilders, I think during this guitar solo by Steve Lukather. Indeed. So she gets, uh, she gets out of the shower, and she, sees, she gets all horny for these beefcake dudes, but then it turns out they're all gay bodybuilders. So she decides to just go play tennis with the one remaining fat dude who didn't transform for some reason. And that, ladies, is Los Angeles in a nutshell. But Harvey Weinstein can give you a reason. Oh, there's a reason he didn't um, transform. The video for YMCA in the actual movie, Can't Stop the Music, starring the uh, village people and uh, Steve uh, Gutenberg as Jacques Morali. When they're doing it, it's the lady who's singing YMCA and all the guys are behind her. And all of a sudden, she's topless for some reason. Huh. I don't know why. It's the only boobs in the whole movie. What is the video I, I remember? Oh, oh, oh. It's uh, it's Olympic runner Carl Lewis. Yeah. He has a song a where, where he's singing about being in shape in a gym. And he's like going after this like older, hefty woman. Do you uh, remember that part? He, did he catch her? Yes, he did. I just remember all the working out. I don't remember any of that stuff. Yeah, I know. There's like, there's like, he's like in love with his, or he goes into a sauna with like a with older women. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's like the opposite. It's like the male version of this physical bit. Okay, check it out, everyone. And the joke is that he's Carl Lewis, the famous track star. Yeah, he wrote a, he did a pop song and he did a pop album and it's terrible. Yeah, it's, I, even, it's just I bad. Like, I feel like I really vaguely remember it was seeing vi- that it was, somewhere. It was very viral in the early days of viral internet. Yeah. And and it was bad. Yeah, hard. To, I mean, weird. It's fun to watch. I mean, it's got all the, it's got all the elements of a hit. I know. <laughs> it's called Break It Up. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that it's, sounds it's right. got a reggae beat. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Solid stuff. So this, uh, it's really easy to re- imagine this song as a, an exercise song, but how exactly? Because if you just go by the lyrics, it's more about banging. If you just focus on the chorus, I think, in the moment, it will make you think about learning to inhabit your own body, even though it's an unattractive pile of shit, gristle, and bones. And it's so uncoordinated that you're scarred for life about even attempting physical exercise in front of other people. So you mostly just try to do some light cardio in your cluttered apartment while some 80s women sing to you. I think that this song is being sung by the personal trainer of an elderly man. Let me hear your body talk. It refers to the creak and the crack of his old bones. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, because they start six, making noise. Seven, they make noise. Let me hear your bones crack, old man. If your bones aren't cracking, you're not looking at my racking. He's and he's definitely not getting cast in that Broadway show about old dancing men. Mm-mm. That's why it's a yacht rock song because it's probably like Michael McDonald working out. Nope. Crack. Sorry. I hit the nail on the head. Steve said. I explained it away. Yep. JD explains it all. So this. Uh, Wrap it up with a little bit. This, you know, this song was a huge hit on the charts, number one for ten weeks, one of the biggest hits in American chart history, and it was the most overtly sexy thing Olivia Newton-John had ever done. Before this, she was mostly known for singing nice, wholesome, countryish soft rock and playing the good girl in Greece, but now she's singing horny songs about boning. I love it. Hey, Linus, get in shape. Pretty soon it'll be too late. Hey, Linus. 
Oh, you think this is gonna be the intro to Mickey? Fuck you, that song sucks shit. So if you wanna follow my example... Then pick a better fucking number one. Five, six, seven, eight. Yay. <laughs> Shows. It'll come to you. Yeah. Listen, I want you to dance around a little bit. Just a little bit. Just do the smallest dance you can. Because this is, is called Tiny Dancer. The music of Elton John Broadway show. Five, six, seven. Okay. Good. You got it, and you got it, you got it, because you're all the tiniest. Everybody else go home. This song doesn't work for me in that genre. There's a reason. Is the Outrock song? Yeah, a little bit. It's the most deserving number one of all in this genre. It's Jump For My Love by the Pointer Sisters. And here's why. It's got a nice energetic tempo. It's got a good fist-pumping chorus. Chorus. It's got loads of synth, and it's got a title that literally contains a universal exercise move. And that's what makes it an even better choice than I'm so excited. And, as a nice bonus, the verse melody is sort of barred a little bit from Pablo Cruz's Love Will Find a Way, which is par for the course with the, you know, the Pointer Sisters' flirtations with Yacht Rock over the years. Uh, not too many folks here besides that synthesizer, but that is Lewis Johnson of the Brothers Johnson on bass, and there's a little percussion by Paulinho da Costa. I've danced this song. I've danced this at so many cousins' weddings in the '80s to this song. I, I, I'm not joking. I have sick, like over 60 cousins, and most of them are older than me. And I swear to God, 40 of them got married in the '80s. Yeah, I went to a few cousins' weddings in the '80s, and this song was definitely there. Yeah, always there. It's like, hey, I'm somebody's cousin. I'm. Yeah. We should play this song. I've seen it, I've heard it recorded and I've, I've heard it played by live bands. Mm -hmm. Those shitty times when your cousins hire live bands for their weddings in the 80s. Yeah. Like, good times. I only have one cousin and he had a polka band at his wedding. It was both, awesome. Both sides, one cousin? Yep. My dad was an only child. My mom had one brother who had one kid. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I know. I'm the only I'm the only person I know who's like that. I've never met a, I've never met another person with only one cousin. You're the only person I know that's like that in a lot of ways, Steve. Thank you, Dave. It's it's gratifying to know that you understand me. Huh. Real unique dude. <laughs> so if you're a dude and you're exercising to this song, it gives you it gives you a goal to work toward. Like I'm not just being and believing, or working hard, or fixing my attitude, or learning to inhabit my shitty commodified body. June Pointer lays out very clear instructions. I am to jump, and then I will receive her love. It's simple, classical conditioning where I learn to associate previously neutral behaviors with rewards. This could also be about an alpha female demanding reverence from the other members of, of the tribe, a.k.a. the aerobics class. Yeah, like you really want to please your aerobics instructor. Yeah. She's, you know, she's, she's there to help you. She's, she's, gonna, she's gonna push you. She's If you impress her, maybe you can get into the cool social clique. Oh, yeah. Of the aerobics class. Yeah, you want to get into the, so, the cool social clique, definitely. Because otherwise, you're not gonna be cool. Yeah. And that's the whole point of exercising, is to be cool. It's true. Well, that's, yep. that's why I do silver sneakers. You guys, yep. you guys see these shorts? <laughs> it's, it's to keep my pre-diabetes in the pre-level. Those shorts do. are so high, you almost can't see them anymore. I know, they're really riding up on this stool. Yeah. It's, it's kinda, uh, it feels that's, cool. That's also the definition of coal mining. <laughs> 
That was the last episode, right? Yeah. I'm so confused. We're doing two tonight. Steve. Riding up on that stool. So <laughs> I, a throwback. Yeah. I remembered that this song was a number three hit, and I was trying to figure out what their the Pointer Sisters' biggest hit was. So looking down their hits list. God damn! The Pointer Sisters are way underrated. Like, there's all these great, iconic singles lasting over a decade. Like, there's... Yes, we can. Can from the early '70s, "Fire," "He's So Shy," which we know is a yacht rock song, "Slow Hand," which ironically is way better than anything Eric Clapton ever recorded as a solo artist, "Automatic," this one, "I'm So Excited," "Neutron Dance," all of them stone cold classics. Maybe some of them sound tied to their time, but they're all fucking great. So why are the Pointer Sisters not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, especially? when the hall should theoretically be desperate for more female acts to include, and when the Pointer Sisters were so versatile and so good for so long, and when there are other admittedly important artists who've gotten in with fewer great songs than that, N.W.A. It's a travesty of an injustice, I tells ya. Hey, save it for our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame special coming in two weeks. Two weeks? That's, what? That's right, we're swapping Yacht on the 10s and Wild on the 5s this round to get our opinions in on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year so we can rightly influence the voters before voting closes. Um, what a great idea. I'm glad we're doing that. I feel like I've had a cardio aerobic workout today. If cardio aerobics is what happens when you listen to Steve read long paragraphs that he's written. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Sentences. Uh, I forgot to, to think what didn't make the list, but this is such a straightforward genre. Steve, I, gotta, I have a question. What's that? What about the Eurythmics uh, Sweet Dreams? Ooh. It's a little too slow, I think. A little too slow? Maybe it's the Maybe, cool, like, the well, cool I mean, down song. The tempo might be okay, but like it, it, it kind of... It's more like icy cold than like you're not warming up with that one. What uh? What about the Go Go's? We got the beat. Yeah, not I wonder about synthy. that. Yeah, I was gonna say no synth. It's like a one. good old rock and roll combo. Yeah, the Go Go's are kind of too good for this list. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of good. There's good. There's stuff really good songs on this list. I was list. just being uh, an ass. Dave, what's coming up next? You know, I started with uh, wanting to do uh, another undercover episode, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into this uh, kicked in the nuts episode. <laughs> I mean, I really started thinking about it. There's got to be a lot of '80s movies where dudes get hit in the nuts, yeah, and yeah. you know, with all the uh, things, songs. with all the things going on in uh, the world right now, with Harvey Weinstein and shit mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, maybe some some of these guys really deserve getting uh, getting their nuts whacked. Yeah, you know, it's I, I, a, a genre like that. I would I would argue is isn't a genre because the artist didn't intend for it to be used to be kicked hey, in the nuts, hey, but but you can discover a certain but, aesthetic. Yeah, well, neither was Ouets. Yeah. Yes, it was because I'm going to sing with a gross song with this ugly person. So there's intention there, but um, I, what I'm, 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 there's a but. There's a but to this. Mm-hmm. I think there's just a choice that artists make in their songs that lead their songs to be used in a kicked in the nuts scene. Yeah. So I'm arguing against myself. I'm, t- I'm saying it's a, actually a good genre. Yeah, I, that's what I'm leaning towards. We'll see. Uh, we'll see where the weekend takes me. All right, business nickname. Oh, nicknames. <clears throat> These are patrons on Patreon who 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 patronize us on the Coxwain and higher level at Patreon.com. Yes, uh, and thank you very much. Here's some nicknames. Uh, John De Circumstanza De Pampa. Uh, Ryan, I know Carl Levine Lake. Uh, Carl, no, he doesn't. Levine. 
Uh, Mary, they're tied together forever. Uh, Mary, wax on, wax off, Danielson. Uh, and uh, Greg, Mountain Dongs, High Bell. Oh, because it's a high bell. Oh, Mountain Dongs, Ding Dong. Okay, I love it. Okay. Uh, I got it. Hey! Go to yarrock.com slash merch dash booth. Pre-order your out of stock size BYR t-shirts. Order order one. Or or order one of the last that we have in stock. It'll come sooner. Uh, and those come with gene meat buttons, but you know what? I'm throwing in a cocoa face button for any t-shirt order, pre-order, or existing stock that comes in before November 1st. I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy, guys. I'm out of my mind giving away these cocoa buttons. Like, they're not worth a lot, but they're priceless. Crazy Riznars? Crazy Riznars. Merch. You're oh, out of your mind ordering yep. them. should, should sell home website. appliances, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, listen, you could, I will give away so many buttons, you could fashion them into a refrigerator. That's what I'm doing over here. Crazy Riznars, yachtrock.com backslash merch uh, <laughs> dash booth. I'm your accountant and you're driving me crazy. Listen, shut Crazy the- Riznars, my my buttons are, are, are my buttons are hot and my shirts are, are, are high. <laughs> these, bu- <laughs> these buttons are keeping my food cold. Hey, hey, hey. There's more because we got tote bags coming in the merch booth. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but uh, I'm giving them away. I'm giving them away for- What? For anybody who signs up as a quartermaster on Patreon before November 1st. And you know what? Oh, fuck it. You know what? And you, you're going to get a nickname, too. But you're going to get a nickname anyway. Okay? But here's what you're going to get. You're going to get the tote. You sign up before November 1st. We cash your check. You're going to get the tote bag. It's a record bag. <laughs> you get the record bag. You're going to get the... And you're also going to get a cocoa button. In the mail, it's automatic if you're a quartermaster as of November 1st. So it goes for anyone, any quartermaster. So go to Patreon, support us today, because I'm going crazy. As your accountant, I must advise you strongly against pursuing this strategy. Hey, you're fired. Dave, Ah! you're my accountant. Give me a fact about money. Um... It's cool, and you can use it in exchange for goods and or, get this, services. That's my new accountant, Dave. I'm going crazy. You know what? I am on board. For every button you buy from JD, I'll send you another button. (laughs) No, stop it. (laughs) Not that crazy. You know what? Fuck it. Five buttons for everyone. No, stop it. Stop it. Dave, as your accountant, (laughs) I must strongly (laughs) advise you against this button strategy. Uh, Okay, so find this week's synthesized playlist by following JD Rizner on Spotify. Go to yachtrock.com for a useful experience. Uh, go to yachtandyacht.com. Take a look at our Yachtsky scale songs. It's a good website. Patrick, at Patrickology put it together. It's good. Send questions at Twitter, uh, at Yacht Rock. You can send them at Twitter, too. But mostly like, why aren't you keeping the Nazis out, at Jack? Uh, like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Follow Beyond Yacht Rock on Instagram. Rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, thanks to Hollywood Steve for making those bumpers. Uh, they weren't all as long as I thought. They were, they were very good job, Steve. They, were, job, they Steve. were relevant. Yes. Uh, themes by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Thanks to producer Matt Brousseau and the entire Feral Audio family. Check out the other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com.